I'm Dr. Sarah Dill, and this is the Stressless Physician Podcast, episode number 84. Welcome to the Stressless Physician Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Dill, MD. Using my unique combination of coaching and mindfulness tools, I will teach you practical ways to reduce your stress level, feel happier at work, and create a better balance between your medical career and personal life. If you are a busy practicing physician who wants to design a life and medical career that feel good to you, you are in the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to talk to you today about this concept that I sort of just came across, but that something I actually already talk about, but just in different terms, which is about mental and emotional agility and the opposite, which is mental and emotional rigidity. So I've been thinking about this a lot and I've definitely noticed that the better I get about having more agility, having more ability to pivot or not get stuck right in certain thought patterns or emotional states or trying to suppress certain thoughts or suppress certain emotions, the better I can deal with what life seems to throw my way, right? And I think this is something that we've all had experience with, especially with COVID where we had a lot of plans and we had a lot of ideas about how things were going to happen. And then life had other plans. And I don't know about you, but I've sort of discovered that life's plans tend to win if we were going to go head to head. So much better to be able to have goals, have a plan, right? Have sort of action steps, have a direction, and yet then also be able to move and change and pivot based on what's actually happening. And as I sit here, my desk at home looks out on this beautiful tree. It's some sort of, I think, Brazilian elm or something, but it's always moving. The branches are always moving. The leaves are always moving. It's not rigid. And here in California, we also have a lot of different kinds of trees, but some trees that are more rigid and less fluid and less bendable in a strong wind or with other weather states tend to get blown down. They're more fragile in some ways. So I always like thinking about an analogy with nature. It helps me. But thinking about and looking at the tree outside my window, mental and emotional agility is the ability to move and change shape when you're in a high wind, when you're under stress, when you are experiencing severe (laughs) storms, right? Which is also how I think about sort of stress. High stress situations often create this sort of stormy thought and emotional unrest. And the better we get about weathering that, right? Pun intended, I guess, the more agility we have at navigating our mental and emotional states, the better we are able to respond rather than just react. The reason I started thinking about this is I came across a book 
by someone named Susan David, and the book is called Emotional Agility, Get Unstuck, Embrace Change, and Thrive in Work and Life. And full confession, I have yet to finish reading the book, but I really like the idea. And again, I think this is what we talk about in coaching, certainly what I talk about in coaching all the time. It just is sort of different languaging, which I think can always be helpful. And so this really touches on that idea from the quote that most of us are familiar with from Viktor Frankl, in which he wrote that between the stimulus and our response, there is a space, right? And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I would say that this is really the key to why I am such a fan of coaching and personal development in that we can cultivate the ability to increase that space right between a stimulus. So something coming in and then our response and in that space really is our power, right? To choose and to create all of our freedom. And so let me just start by defining some terms here. So I went through online and just found some different definitions for what I would call mental rigidity. So again, the book is really on emotional agility, but I like to include both mental and emotional under here because really we're talking about thoughts and feelings. And as we know, those are very related. And so one definition of mental rigidity is that it's a variation of suppressing thoughts so that you will only allow yourself certain kinds of thoughts and emotions. So that might look like not allowing yourself to feel sad or angry or only focusing on positive thoughts and positive emotions, right? Or maybe you don't want to feel too happy or too excited. So it's this idea of being very rigid about what's allowed. Mental rigidity can also be defined as a psychological trait that interferes with one's ability to change your way of thinking or to adapt to new environments. So having a rigid mind versus a flexible mind are really two opposite ends of this spectrum or continuum of mental adaptability or mental flexibility or mental agility. So a rigid mind is typically characterized by, again, difficulty in changing one's behavior, changing one's beliefs, and adapting to changing circumstances, while having a more flexible mind, right, a more agile or adaptive mind is more open to actual experience and is more welcoming of new or unforeseen situations, right? You don't tend to dig in necessarily. You can pivot and adapt. So I really like this idea that emotional agility is our ability to be flexible with our thoughts and feelings in order to have a more optimal response to the many different situations you find yourself in every day, many of which are unexpected or unplanned, right? Or you didn't see it coming. And 
if we can't be flexible, we may find that we are stuck in this emotional and mental rigidity. And you'll know that because you'll feel very stressed out. You'll feel very trapped. You'll have sort of maybe black and white thinking or rumination, right? Where you just keep going over and over things. This is where you argue with reality, right? Which I've quoted before from Byron Katie, where you lose, right? When you argue with reality, but only 100% of the time. So what is happening in your life? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? And can you sort of catch up with that and not stay stuck, not stay rigid? So emotional agility, hopefully you can see why this is so useful, is this being flexible with our thoughts and feelings so that we can respond more optimally. It accepts as sort of the premise in our experience that we as humans experience a full range of emotions that we might perceive, right, as good or bad or neutral. And this is perfectly normal, right? This is everyone's experience. And having this mental and emotional agility means holding your thoughts and emotions more loosely and not necessarily having to react to them or immediately follow, right, their guidance, whatever you're thinking or feeling, but to see them as more data, as more information, as signals to notice what's going on with us, and then to help us take actions in a way that is consistent and in line with our values and our goals. So Susan David who's a psychologist and an executive coach and who wrote this book called Emotional Agility, she states that emotional agility is not about ignoring difficult emotions and thoughts. Again, it's about holding them loosely, facing them courageously and compassionately, and then moving past them to make big things happen in your life. And so I would extrapolate from this and say that I think Our ability to manage our thoughts and feelings, right? Not control them, but manage them to understand them, to identify them, to choose how to respond to them. I think it's really essential to our well being and to our success in life. So, Susan David also goes on to say that emotional agility helps to alleviate our stress, to reduce errors, to increase innovation and to improve job performance, right? And I think you can see that when you're stuck, just like when you're seeing a patient and you're sort of stuck with a diagnosis and not taking in the new data, right? Sometimes we have to step back and broaden our perspective. We have to step back and consider where we could be wrong. We have to step back and reevaluate based on what we're seeing in front of us. So I just want you to check in with yourself on this spectrum of rigidity versus agility or adaptability, where would you put yourself in terms of day-to-day, in terms of your thoughts and your emotions, right? I would just sort of include all of that mental thinking and feeling that happens in our brain. Are you able to be flexible and adaptable and agile in dealing with right our complex and fast-changing world? with your practice, with patience, with the unexpected. That's how I sort of check in. I don't like the unexpected, although it's pretty much expected, right? Change is the name of life, even if we don't like it. 
Are you able to tolerate higher levels of stress and endure unexpected setbacks or challenges while remaining largely engaged and open and receptive? This idea of can we understand that life isn't always easy, but we can continue and should continue to act according to our own values and our own long-term goals. And that's why in my previous podcast a couple episodes ago, it's so important to know what your goals are, right? What do you want out of your practice? What do you want out of your life? How do we keep navigating towards that when presented with the inevitable challenges, setbacks, and the unexpected? So in her book, Susan David has a four-step model to actually how you can build greater emotional agility. And this is very similar to a lot of the things I talk about with how to really navigate and accept your thoughts and emotions and how to intentionally decide to respond rather than react. And so I've tweaked this a little bit, just using some of the language I find more helpful, but this is based on her four-step model. And so if you want to work on having more mental and emotional agility, more adaptability, more flexibility, right? The ability to tolerate more stress and challenges without having to shut down, this is how you do it. So the first step is to meet and greet, right? To try to welcome whatever emotions or thoughts are there in the moment. You can't push them away or you can, but it's not very effective. So can you, I talk about this a lot, start to notice your thoughts and emotions with curiosity, with acceptance, notice if you want to push them away or ignore them, or if you've are thinking like you shouldn't be having some of these thoughts and emotions, right? Can you just allow them, right? So I sort of like the idea of meet and greet, curiosity and acceptance, right? Whatever emotions and thoughts are there. The second step is to create more space between you and your thoughts and emotions. This is sort of very related to the first step. This is where you can label them. You can sort of reflect on them. This is that idea of defusing from your thoughts and emotions, right? Your thoughts and emotions are simply information. They are not you. You are not your thoughts or emotions, right? You are the one that is experiencing them, that is reflecting on them. This is that meta skill where you can think about your thinking. You can think about your feelings. That creates space automatically. As soon as you step out from just feeling them, you have more authority over your emotions and you have more space and detachment from them. And having this space and detachment allows you to feel and to actually have more control over your subsequent actions and decisions. So you're having thoughts, you're having emotions, totally fine. Doesn't mean anything about you. It's just information. So if you can label them, that's step two. This is sort of the beginning of that old saying, right? Name it to tame it. So step three of increasing your emotional and mental agility is to stay or get in touch with your why, right? And this is the idea of keeping your values, keeping your vision, keeping your purpose, keeping your goals very front 
in your mind, right? Allowing those values, your why, right? Your long-term goals to really shape your decisions in how you want to respond. So when you start thinking about what action to take in response to these new changing circumstances, you can ask yourself, does this decision, does this potential action reflect your core values and move you towards your long-term goals? And then step four, right, is to choose and put into action your next move, right? And this is where I sometimes talk about just little turtle steps which is a phrase I learned from Martha Beck, right? It doesn't have to be a big action. It doesn't have to be a big move. You make these small and yet purposeful adjustments to align yourself with your values and your goals. And then you take tiny little steps, tiny little turtle steps, just one step at a time in your everyday actions and moments and experience to continue to navigate towards those goals in alignment with your values. There was a quote I found from Susan David that I liked in which she says, we reach emotional agility through a series of tiny steps in everyday moments over the course of a lifetime, right? I'm gonna just repeat that because I really like it. We reach emotional agility through a series of tiny steps in everyday moments over the course of a lifetime. And I like that because one, I think sometimes we feel Our decisions have to be big. Our steps have to be big. We have to take big action. And I find that small steps repeated multiple times are much more effective. That's how we take action. Often this idea that it has to be a big change, big action keeps us paralyzed, right? It scares us. It feels like too much. So I just want to encourage you to navigate and take this series of tiny steps day by day, every day hour after hour, moving towards your goals in conjunction with your values. So you got to know your values and you got to know your goals. So again, I just wanted to share this with you. I love this idea of emotional and mental agility versus rigidity and how we can increase it, right? So again, showing up and acknowledging our thoughts and emotions with curiosity and acceptance, creating space, right? Labeling, sort of defusing and disidentifying from them, not pushing them away, but noticing that we are the one having these thoughts and emotions. We aren't these thoughts and emotions. Getting in touch with your why, right? Keeping sort of your values and your goals uh, front of mind. And then choosing how to respond intentionally, taking small steps towards your goal, even when presented with obstacles with detours, with the unexpected. I hope this has been helpful for you. I will put a link to her book in the show notes in case you want to explore it as well. And I'm looking forward to finishing reading more of her book, but I just wanted to share this with you. I love to share anything that I'm finding particularly useful. And I think you will agree most likely that this is stuff that I've talked about before, but I really liked the languaging around this. So as always, if you have any questions or comments, or if you are interested in coaching with me, please reach out Sarah at saradill.com, S-A-R-A at saradill, S-A-R-A-D-I-L-L.com. I answer every email. I hope you are well, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Talk to you soon. Bye. If you are a busy practicing physician ready to start feeling less stressed, 
enjoy work more, and learn how to create a more balanced and sustainable medical practice and life, sign up for a consult call with me at saradill.com. That's S-A-R-A-D-I-L-L.com. It would be my privilege and pleasure to work with you.